everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. We want to take a look at this passage. And did you, did you uh, this week, uh, I mentioned it in my prayer, but we did watch another natural disaster bear down on Hawaii. But did you, uh, did you see um, uh, Hurricane Lane, I think its, its name is. But did you see that the BBC reporter who was on the radio reporting from the hurricane... And, you know, sometimes I wonder, why do we put these reporters right in the middle of the place we tell everyone to leave, <laughs> right? But there they are. And he was reporting, and it was, on, it was on the radio, and all of a sudden you could hear this crack behind him and this rustling, and a tree fell on him. Now, he was okay. <laughs> he was okay, but, it, you know, you could tell what had happened, and there's this moment of, like, you know, uh, what was his, uh, his name was James. You know, James, are you okay? And there was this silence for a little while, and all of a sudden, I'm fine. <laughs> that was unexpected, he said. And uh, the only uh, casualty was his laptop was crushed <laughs> or something that was with him. But he was fine, which is, uh, he was very fortunate. It, uh, uh, but to have a tree fall right in the middle of your broadcast, that's quite a, quite a thing. I remember, you know, I remember something about two other natural disasters. And if you follow my thought process here for just a moment, um, you'll remember uh, arguably two of the biggest in the past, you know, decade or so, a little over that. Uh, In December 2004 is when the tsunami hit Asia. And you'll recall, and it's, boy, when you look at the numbers and stuff, it's just kind of overwhelming, the damage that that caused. And it, it wasn't... Much later, you know, is that summer in August that Hurricane Katrina hit, which was another huge, huge disaster. And but the thing that I remember is there was there was a, as I recall there was someone talking about the relief efforts for those two natural disasters, and uh, there was tragic loss of life on both on both uh, natural disasters. But the focus, if you recall. There was a lot of talk in New Orleans about the cost, right? This is going to really cost the U.S. economy. And they talked about the oil rigs that had to shut down and the refineries and just all the stuff that was there and how we had to go and rebuild all these homes and and people's property was destroyed. And this person, as I recall, he just made the comment, you know what, we don't talk about the cost of the tsunami in Asia, we talk about the people that died. Why is that? Because they didn't have anything. They didn't really have anything to begin with. So we don't talk about what they lost because they didn't really have anything. And in comparison, there is poverty in New Orleans, I understand. But in comparison, New Orleans was a very rich place to be hit. It was sobering to me And I know that's kind of a sobering way to begin today, but it was sobering because it kind of speaks to our values in the West. Can I broaden that? Our values in the West. We value money (laughs) and possessions, do we not? Uh, And Scripture, no wonder Scripture and Jesus has a lot to say about this. 
has a lot to say about this. And so today, we want to look at this. A life of real love does not put its security in earthly things, but in heavenly things. We do not put our security in earthly things, but in, in heavenly things. So I encourage you, uh, each of us today, to ask some questions. Where am I putting my security for the future? Now, I know that, you know, if this is the proverbial joke of Sunday school, is the answer is always Jesus, right? Uh, you know, I re- because we know the answer. <laughs> you, know, you know the answer I'm looking for. We put our security in Jesus. I was at a youth group once, and the, the youth uh, leader was giving out cookies, and he was asking these questions, and he said, you know, he said some random question, and this teen's like, Jesus, because <laughs> he wanted a cookie. <laughs> and it wasn't the right answer at all to that question. We know the right answer, but I need reminding, don't you? Sometimes in reality, in our actions, we maybe don't live out the right answer all the time. The people of Jesus' day weren't really any different than today. Those that had a lot of money, they loved to show it off, right? That's no different than today. Uh, With expensive clothing and costly possessions. And even those without money spent their days wishing they had money, many of them. That sounds like today. There were even those in Jesus' day that believed that a show of such wealth uh, was somehow honoring to God because, after all, he had blessed them with it. So wouldn't it be a blessing to show everyone what he had blessed you with? And there's a little bit of a trap there, (laughs) right, that can happen in our lives. And I think that's why Jesus talks so strongly about money because it can be a trap for us. And can I say it can be a trap for us even if we would say we don't have any? Because <laughs> it still can be a trap for us because our heart can be there. And we'll get to that in a moment. I remember, you know, I remember hearing David Maines. You probably know that name. Uh, he founded 100 Huntley Street. Did you know 100 Huntley Street is the longest running Canadian daytime show? There is. It's the longest one, it's, uh, which is kind of neat. But I remember him saying he worked so hard to live a modest life because we know some of the examples that were not modest, that he drove an everyday kind of car because he didn't want that to be a stumbling block to people because money can be a stumbling thing in our lives. You know, John Calvin said, men are grown mad with an insatiable desire of gain. We're grown mad. I think that can be true. Last week, we had some reminders of our, of our values and the value God places on us. And this week, we have some reminders of a different kind, but ones we can just as easily forget. And let me read verse, chapter 6, verse 19 again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Can I state an obvious statement? And it's number the first one on your uh, on your outline. There, if you're using that today. Stuff doesn't last. Stuff doesn't last. 
Did you know that one study found out that one-third of people who receive an inheritance had a negative savings within two years, right? They had received this, maybe sometimes a big inheritance, and within two years, it was all gone and then some, right? What does that mean? Even when you spend your life trying to invest sometimes, not every time, but sometimes in your children, most most statistically, a lot of that investment is just squandered. At the end of your life, those who care for, those who you care for and care about you the most will not be concerned with your bank account. And even as I say that, sadly, sometimes that's not quite true. Some will, but the stats say it will be gone soon anyway, and then they'll just still be left with the questions of where is your heart, where is your treasure, where is your security? And so we are called to show, show them the way, right? Moths destroy fabric, right? I've never had that happen myself, but you know, you got to be careful when you store things uh, over long periods of time or in certain places. Vermin destroy other possessions, and, it, and all of it is tempting for others to come in and just take, right? Consumed with greed, you know, it was kind of a wake-up call. I remember there was a, there was a teen in, in Digby that, uh, thankfully, I didn't fall for it, but he, he was trying to, well, swindle me out of some money. And I thought, you know, he's kind of framing it that he needed help. And it's kind of when then I realized that when drugs are involved in your life, you'll do things that you never thought you would do, <laughs> right? We have to, uh, and it's sad, and some people are caught in that. So we're reminded again, stuff doesn't last. So let's invest in stuff that does. Let's invest in stuff that does. And so what is this stuff that lasts? The treasures in heaven, what is that? What could, what could be considered treasure in heaven? The good deeds done for others. The money invested in charity. Helping the down and out. Building houses for the homeless. Teaching people God's word. Giving your children cherished memories, treating others with respect. That was perfect timing. <laughs> Giving your children cherished memories, Treat, treating others with respect. I, you know, I think of someone like uh, Senator John McCain. You know, if you know that name, you know he passed away yesterday. And, uh, you know, I don't know all about his life, but he certainly seemed to leave a legacy, you know, that he... Uh, he invested some things that were beyond just himself and, uh, and, and his family as well. But I want you to look back at that list, you know, all the good, all the treasures in heaven. And I think I can sum up what are treasures in heaven as opposed to treasures on earth with one word. It's people, isn't it? Isn't it people? Those are eternal things. I wondered if you do something, uh, if you go to the next slide, I wondered if you would cross out stuff and put people and cross out does and put do, so it's grammatically correct. Um, let's invest in people that do, because stuff doesn't last, does it? How do we invest, how do we invest in people? Well, we talked about some things, you know, you can do that 
invest in people. But I'm reminded that Scripture clearly teaches. It clearly teaches, and it's just a reminder for us today, that there is one gateway to eternity. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said of himself in John 10, verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And in John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And so we love people with the love of Christ in different ways every day. And we love them with the love of Christ and work and pray that they would come to understand his love directly in their lives. That they would enter through that gate. The treasures in heaven are people. Are we investing in them? And that's a question for each of us to ask and for us collectively to ask. And you know what? I think this principle is big. <laughs> That's why Jesus talked quite a bit about money. Because I think this is the answer to a lot of questions we have in life. And this is what I, what I mean. Of course, the next verse, in verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how do you have a great marriage? How do you have a great family? How do you make sure that your kids grow into mature young men and women. And, and this might sound like a weird question, but I believe it still applies. How do you be successful in a God-honoring way in even your work, in your business? I think the answer is to keep your eyes focused on treasures in heaven. When we value and invest in people, it keeps our hearts centered there. And it will make a difference in our marriages. It will make a difference in our families. And it, I think it will even make a difference in our work and the things we put our hands to each day. Because people who are valued are invaluable. They're indispensable. Right? At the end of the day, what business is not serving people at the end of the day? And if you value one another, it makes a difference. And that's a principle of God's Word. There it is. So... That next blank. Don't love things and use people. Love people and use things. Right? I can get that out of order sometimes, can't you? Things have their place. You know, I was thinking, you know, because you could come away from this and say, well, see, what's the use of even thinking about putting in an entrance? I mean, it's just a thing. Right? It's just a thing. But it's, it's about people. <laughs> right? We're not just putting up a monument. It's about people. So, so don't love things and use people. Love people and use things. And I'm sure somebody has said that, but I don't know who it was. But it's a good one. Then we read these next two verses that they don't necessarily seem to fit, right? Because if, you, uh, if we jump to the end, verse 24, it talks again about money. But we have these two verses. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 
So we have two sets of eyes here. One healthy, one unhealthy. And, uh, <clears throat> the, and that's how the, the NIV translates it. The King James says that one set of eyes is, is single and the other is evil. Uh, the New King James says one is good and one is bad. And the most common trouble with our eyes could be described, could it not, as a lack of focus, right? As a lack of focus. I mean, when I take off my glasses, I can't see any of your faces, <laughs> right? That's the reason sometimes swimming is the only thing you can't do with glasses. And so I, keep, I tell people when we're swimming, like, I cannot see you. So Chrissy, call out my name if you want me to do anything. Um, it, it's a lack of focus, isn't it? Isn't that the core of eye problems? And we've all kind of, of varying degrees, deal with that. We go to the doctor when we, the doctor when we can't see as clearly as we did before. A healthy eye sees clearly and can focus well. And that's why there's there's some illusion of meaning there, right? That uh, the translators sometimes have a hard time because it's it's talking about a singular focus, a healthy eye, a good eye. An, un, an unhealthy eye gets distracted easily and can't focus, right? That's why, there's, that's why, of course, right, we have trouble, especially driving, right? I can, I can even tell, you know, I, I'm, I'm finding I don't like to drive at night when it's raining more than I ever did before. Well, why is that? Well, your eyes get kind of, <laughs> right, you know, I think that happens. Our eyes, our eyes regulate the motion of our bodies. A man, a man crossing, picture this, crossing a stream on a log, if you were on a hike somewhere, if he will look across at some object, he can cross more safely than if he looks down and gets distracted by all the things that are happening under him. He may become dizzy and fall. So what do we fix our eyes on here? Well, if you know the scriptures, you know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author or pioneer and perfecter of our faith in Hebrews 12, verse 2. The final blank there, fixing our eyes on Jesus will help us love people and put these things in proper order and help us to have our heart focused on something that is honoring to God. Sometimes it's hard to love people. If you have not found that to be true, can I join your family? <laughs> right? You know, uh, sometimes it's hard to love people. But Jesus showed us the way to love even when it was hard, didn't he? By his actions and what he did. Can I just say, if, if, if you think that you've got a singular focus on Jesus, if you would kind of say, you know, just in honesty, not in pride maybe, but just say, well, boy, I think I'm focused on Jesus. But in the next statement, you would have to say, but boy, there's all these people I hate. <laughs> I think you need to get to know Jesus better. Because when we get to know Jesus better, he will show us how to love people. He will show us how to love people. There are people that are hard to love, aren't there? But Jesus can show us when we keep our eyes focused 
on him. And we close with Matthew 6, 24, which brings us back, right? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, who are you serving, right? Who are you serving? Where do you find your security? Is there a movement that needs to take place in your heart? Moving money and stuff from the throne of your life and the object of your desires and placing Jesus there and his love for people. It begins with fixing our eyes on Jesus and making him the Lord and master of our lives. Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together. Thank you.